And we are going. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped. To use the promo code HBSports to get 20% off your order. They have sent some product over to us here at High Button Sports. I preferably like the Lawnmower 3.0, okay? No more nicks, no more bloody messes around that area down below. Gentlemen, you want to walk out the door with a little bit more confidence? This is how you do it. Ladies, maybe you got that man at home that's not shaving down below. This is how you do it, all right? We all know that Valentine's Day is around the corner. So, ladies, this is a perfect opportunity for you to gift your man with some Manscaped product, okay? So, remember, use the promo code HBSports, get 20% off your order. Head on over to the website now, manscaped.com. They are redefining the ball hair trimmer. Remember, HBSports, 20% off. Head on over to the website right now, manscaped.com. And just like that, we are back. I hope everyone enjoyed their holidays, uh, their New Year's, their Christmas. I hope that you relaxed. I hope that you put your feet up. It was full of food, full of liquor. Uh, I know that the World Juniors is in full swing right now. I hope that you took some time out of the day to watch some of that. Obviously, I know you did if you're living here in Canada. Um, but yeah, it was really resting for myself, really resting uh, you know, for the, for the people that work within this company. We, uh, like I said, I guess we sat down. We put our feet up. And we enjoyed those last couple weeks of 2020 because we all know that the year of 2020 wasn't the most relaxing year. So uh, to be able to to step back, appreciate everything that we have in this world and appreciate living in this beautiful world of Canada, it was nice. Uh, but now we're into 2021, new year, same company. Um, but we're definitely going to be working twice as hard to, to create, create, excuse me, uh, content for yourself and uh, and for the new fans, I guess that we're going to hopefully attract to. So that's our plan. Uh, today on the High Button Podcast, we have Cody Blois. Cody actually played for the Nova Scotia Major Midget Hockey League for the Cole Harbor Major Midgets. Then moving on to the Halifax Lions, where him and myself were teammates. He's the goalie. After that, he moved on to Amherst, playing in the Maritime Junior A Hockey League. Then he actually played in the CIS for Brock University. And now he is currently a Canadian politician who was elected to the representative of King's Hands for the Liberal Party. Cody and I have known each other for probably, Jesus, I want to say maybe 10 years, going all the way back to the Halifax Lions. So that's 2008, 2009, or 2009, 2010. So yeah, like around 10 years. Um, he was always a bright guy. He was always a great goalie. He was always level-headed. You know goalies when they can become a little inconsistent. Cody was always that guy that was always to, able to stay level-headed and uh, and steal a couple wins for the boys when we needed it, that's for sure. And now seeing him as a politician with the Liberal Party, it only makes sense. He was always a nice guy. He was always caring about other people. Um, it's just great to see Cody's career come full circle and, and see him thriving in a world where uh, I think he belongs. So I'm excited to have Cody on the podcast. It's going to be a great episode. Episode. I'm Justin. This is the High Button Podcast. Here we go. You know what comes next. Cody, we're going. Excellent. Thanks so much, Billy. The magic of podcast takes a little bit to set up, but once we get it going, it's nice. No, this is uh, before I get going, and I don't want to just kiss ass to you. Okay. Uh, two years ago, <laughs> I was in Hungary, 
and I texted you. I think you were still at West at this point. Uh, and I was on a vacation with my fiance, okay. now fiance. And I remember texting you saying, great job on the podcast. I think you might have had Matt Anthony in at the time. Oh, this is uh, two, yeah, two this, years ago. And you've gone a long way. Now we've got McKinnon, right, from Matt Anthony. But uh, God love Ants. Uh, but you had him on. I said, you're doing something special. And, uh, and you know, before we get any further, I just want to say great job because uh, you're doing something special. I appreciate that, Cody. I, I really do. When, you know, we get compliments a lot of it when it comes to the studio, when it comes to the podcast. And every time I, I, I get a new one, it, it means just, you know, it, it's equal to every single one. So right. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, I got to give it right back to you, though, man. You're, you know, you're everywhere. I remember when we used to play hockey when we were younger, you were always that guy that you just cared about people. You were always that guy in the room to ask, how are you? You know, in the, you know, in the, in the, in the sporting world, I'm not saying it's as common as regular life, but you know, every now and then you do get that one person that says, how are you? Because everyone's mindset is just win, 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 win at no, at any cost. And I always just remember you guys like you, guys like Ben Clark, you know, just special people that just cared about people and to see where you are now. It just makes sense. I don't ask any questions. I go, yeah, where Cody is, he deserves to be there. And, uh, and yeah, man. I appreciate that. Well, politics uh, and uh, politics is all about people. And so you have to like people. You have to take an interest in people. And so uh, I guess I'm glad to hear that uh, you thought back in junior I had an interest in people, and and here I am today. So how long did you know that this would be – I guess your career path. Did you know at a young age or did this come in your early 20s? No, it kind of came like late high school, I would say. So um, teens, okay. Yeah, yeah. teens. Uh, I, sport was my whole world. Uh, and I don't know how much uh, you'll you'll introduce me off the <laughs> off the hop in the, in the intro, but uh, of course hockey and softball were my two predominant sports. I played everything through high school. Um, but as you get older, you start to think about, okay, why do things happen the way they do in the world? You just take a natural interest. And it wasn't until my first year at St. Mary's University I was taking a a commerce degree, but I minored in political science and I took my first political science class and I went, I love this. And yeah, I did. And it went from uh, watching TSN to watching like legislative TV and CPAC. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, at that time I wasn't partisan in in that sense where I had been like, I'm rah-rah liberal or conservative or NDP or any of the different parties. I just knew that I had an interest in public affairs and that's kind of where it began. Yeah. You start following it along, and I wanted to take some time to figure out where I fit on the the ideological spectrum. Um, in the meantime, uh, I had been getting involved in the community mm. in East Hance. Uh, coached minor hockey. Went oh, back. did you? Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So I was at St. Mary's. Um, let me let me take a step back. Take uh, your time. Amherst Ramblers, uh, and obviously with the Halifax Lions, played the jungle. Mar- yeah. The jungle yeah. <laughs> played uh, Maritime Junior League uh, with you and others, um, and then went off and played university. So I went and played a year at Brock in uh, St. Catharines. Really enjoyed my time there. Got to the point that uh, with my education, with the courses I had taken before, mm. it, it was going to be two years to graduate from Brock. Or I could pick up my classes and come back to St. Mary's and finish in one year. But you already went to SMU before Brock, sorry. I had started at yeah, SMU yeah. when I was playing with the Lions yeah. and then had kind of taken some courses at Mount A, yeah. had been doing some distance stuff. Like I was kind of all over the place. That's how it is as a hockey player. That's right. You know? And uh, once I had my year down at Brock, it really came down to it. I said, okay, am I going to... Am I going to you know, continue to try to pursue this, or am I going to go back to St. Mary's, finish up, and, and move on with my life? And, and that's what I decided. 
Now, ironically, at that time, uh, when I went back to St. Mary's, Curtis Black, who was the backup goaltender at the time for St. Mary's, okay. uh, ended up getting like a high ankle sprain. So I ended up getting a call from Tyler Nogler, of course, who... I was we... on the phone with him this morning. Oh, were you? Okay. 20 minutes before you got here, I was on the phone with him. Small world. <laughs> so so Nogs gives me a call and says, look, we need, we need a backup goalie. And uh, for those that followed university hockey at the time, Anthony Peters was the goaltender for St. Mary's. Okay. Uh, he was incredible. Uh, I was just very fortunate to get involved with the team. So I finished up with St. Mary's kind of in my, I guess. In I my didn't know tw- that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I was at SMU and uh, uh, great program to be with. We got to the final that year. And of all the years that I played hockey, um, generally I was a leader or, you know, predominantly was in the net. Uh, <laughs> that was one of the times that I worked really hard but just tip my cap every time because PD was just, he was just that good. And you, you just knew that he was the best guy in the net. And so you just kind of took solace being on yeah. the bench. But uh, It's funny how when you hit that certain point of your career, you start to look at life in a different way rather than just hockey, hockey, hockey. Right. You know, you, you hit that role and you're not that guy when it comes to, you know, you, we all remember those times when we were younger. Because I know you were always in those Novus Hockey, Nova Scotia programs playing right. U16, U15, always top goalie in Nova Scotia. And your identity is that guy, that goalie, that player, that hockey player. And then when you start to hit that age where, you know, you have guys from the OHL come to Nova Scotia and they're playing in the AUS or CIS, whatever it was called back then, uh, and you're not that guy. And then you start to look at life, okay, where am I going? Where do I fit in in this world now? And it's funny how everyone kind of has a similar experience even if you're Wayne Gretzky and you're out of the game he still has to re-identify himself when he's done hockey that's so right it's funny how everyone's kind of uh, I don't know scenario somehow comes to the same path it's it's rethinking your brand rethinking who you are yeah. and it doesn't matter if you're in politics podcast best player in the world everyone has to take that step back and just look and I think the earlier you find it out the better all roads lead to the beer leagues. Is, is the, is the, <laughs> Gretzky's even in the beer league now. It's just a better league than we'll be in, yeah. a better beer league. Yeah. Um, but I guess what I would say is I came back to St. Mary's. I'm finishing up my commerce degree, yeah. have an interest in political science, um, and I started getting involved in coaching East Hans minor hockey. What league? Uh, Adam AAA at the time. Nice. And so some of the kids that you'll know, like Riley Kidney, who was with Acadie Bathurst, he was you know 10 years old and we're coaching a group of kids. We had a really exceptional group that had come through. Okay. Um, so of course I was charged with the goaltenders, but we had we had good kids, and and that was my first. Uh, I don't want to say first because I've been involved in the community before, but when you get back coaching hockey, um, that's kind of where it began. Uh, in the meantime, after St. Mary's, uh, asking myself what comes next, I figured I wanted to get into law school. Uh, did not get into law school the first time. I had a I had a terrible LSAT, uh, <laughs> and so was rejected from Dalhousie, or I think I was put on the wait list the first year. Okay. Um, and said, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to go work? Am I going to take another degree? Like, what am I doing? Yeah. Uh, decided that I had an interest, of course, in public policy and affairs. Uh, so I took a master of public administration from Dow. That was kind of the gap year before I got into law school. Okay. Uh, sorry, what was the name of the course? What was it? It's public? A, it's a master of public administration. Public administration. So okay, a lot of people would take like an MBA, a master of business administration. Uh, but this okay. is actually public administration's focused on uh, really getting you set to work in the public sector. If, so if you that, help people get into the public sector is essentially? No, no. Like I would have worked as like a policy analyst for the government of Nova Scotia or the federal government. Okay. Like the civil service. Okay, 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 okay. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... And I'm kind of going all over the place, but essentially that uh, I did a program for a year, was fortunate enough to get into Dalhousie my second year uh, when I applied, was put on the wait list again. And it wasn't until August of 
like August 25th, like 10 days before school starts, I get a call, yeah. you know, you're in. Yeah. And it just changed everything because four months later, I get hired at McGinnis Cooper, one of the larger law firms here in the city. Yeah. Um, and really, the, my, you know, my whole life kind of took a different path. And, you know, out of 10 days, maybe I didn't get in and, and who knows what I'd be doing now. Um, <laughs> just but, pull that mic up a little bit. Sorry. Sure. A little yeah. bit there. Can you hear me better? Just like right there. Or just like turn it. There you go. There you go. Perfect. Yep. Good. Yep. Okay. Um, so, you know, things might have turned out differently. Going back to why politics and, and, and why I got interested in that path, uh, hockey, of course, was a, a great connection to the community. In the meantime, after starting and, and being involved with East Hans Minor Hockey for about five years in that role with that group of kids that come through, mm. uh, I also started the East Hans Sport Heritage Society. Really? Yep. What? Yeah. We didn't know that. No. No. So the East Hans Sport Heritage Society. That's you. That's me. When did you start that? Uh, 2013. Man, good for you. So it really came out of the the fact that when I had been playing softball, yeah. uh, I played a competitive level. We won a national championship in 2011 with the, um, it was called the Nova Scotia Murphy's Fish and Chips Junior Eagles. What a name. What a name. <laughs> so a uh, lot of great ball players, a lot of uh, fast pitch, as you know, you've had other guests on the show, uh, largely uh, refined to rural communities across the country. Why uh, is that? For whatever reason, it's funny, baseball really existed in East Hans in the 1960s. Uh, for whatever reason, softball kind of took form, and but really the cities and the urban areas played baseball, and the more uh, rural communities played softball. Yeah. And when you look at kind of where the pockets of softball still exist in this province, it's Guysboro, it's Brookfield, it's East Hans, it's yeah. Windsor, it's smaller towns and rural areas. So uh, we won a Canadian championship in 2011. We went to Truro because the team was kind of based in Colchester County. Okay. And they had a, um, they had a basically a sport awards to celebrate local teams. And I remember thinking, why don't we have something like this in East Hans? Because we have a great sporting tradition, um, but we don't have any mechanism to celebrate not only contemporary athletes that are having success mm. as a way to celebrate the community, but there's individuals that have put in a lifetime of work yeah. and dedication to serving and building community through sport that we need to recognize through a Hall of Fame. Since the 60s, like, come on. Well, that's even, a long time. a lot of people. That. Yeah, exactly. And so that's what the Hall of Fame became. It became this mechanism uh, to celebrate sport and community. And so that was one nonprofit. Yeah. The second one was Tide Fest and the Come Home East Hands. You started the Tide Fest as well? Yeah. Dude, give yourself a... That's... <laughs> I didn't know that was you. Yeah. Man, congrats. Like, well, those, it was, like, I shouldn't say it wasn't me. I mean, I was spearheading it along yeah. with other individuals. But, oh, man. Uh, Every time I'm out at Dudes' place and there's people over, it's just, oh, Tide Fest is coming up. It's all around the corner. Or they're going to have the thing this year. It's like there's always something to look forward to when it comes to the Tide Fest. Right. Yeah. Like, I remember we did the, or we went and watched like the Strongman competition. Yeah. Mine was blown away that I was just in East Hands watching some world class athletes tow around some trucks. Like, it was unbelievable. The food, the people, the community. This was back when. Maybe a year into it. And I think you invited us out. Maybe you got a hold of dudes and you invited us out. And it was the first time ever there was uh, strangers coming up to us saying, hey, love high button sports. Love what you're doing. And that that first time was ever at the Tide Fest. It was during the uh, the uh, washer, toss. washer toss toward when we were doing the video. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, this, this company is actually starting to work. There's people that are aware of us. And that was yeah. at the Tide Fest. Yeah. 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 No, exactly. So for those listeners that might not know what the hell Tide Fest is, uh, we, we never had a homecoming festival in the East Hans area. East Hans as a concept is really kind of relatively new because 
it used to be a series of communities, Enfield, Elmsdale, Lance, and every community would have their own kind of identity, um, which they still do. But we're starting to see ourselves more as uh, East Hans from Enfield to Shibanakity to perhaps maybe Upper Nymal River, the kind of the corridor area. There's there's Hans North and there's Mount Uniac in different areas as well. But we never had something to bring people together. Yeah. Uh, Tide Fest, East Hans is home of the highest tides in the world. Uh, and the event was really just focused on bringing people together. And what do you need? You need music, you need food. food. And I said, I wonder what the Guinness Book of World Record is for the largest washer toss tournament. And we, we searched it up. It was in Wise County, Texas at the time. No and way. It, yeah. About 400 and, uh, I'm going to forget the number, maybe 488 people. Okay. I said, there's no way that if we put on a Guinness World Record championship that we're not going to get at least 500 people here in Nova Scotia to do it. Uh, Our final number, I think, was somewhere over 600 that we had, and uh, it was a fun event. Did you get the Guinness World Book of Records? Did yeah. you get them to come out? Uh, so you can get them to come out. It's like $25,000. for fly them in. For and, fly- to, yeah. and so we didn't do that, but you can verify it through video. And we sent all the documentation over to the UK. And no way. This. Yeah, yeah. So we've actually, like if it's, I, I don't know if they still do Guinness Book of World Records, like an actual physical yeah. book. Yeah, I remember them. Uh, but if they did, uh, or if they do, uh, we're in it for that record. <laughs> That's sick. Yeah. I remember walking in there into the huge, uh, yeah, the, the soccer dome. Hundreds of people, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was, it was incredible, uh, and it was it was all about bringing people together and community. So we're taking a long way to answer the first question, but for those that are listening, how I got my interest and desire in politics was uh, for me around community, mm-hmm. which started around getting back, giving back, coaching minor hockey, mm-hmm. around my nonprofit work in East Hans, and then of course when you take the law degree and you're working and you have a background in public administration that kind of perfect storm of you care about legislative you know, process, you care about community, and at a certain point you ask yourself, uh, why don't I put my name, why don't I put my uh, hat in the ring, so to speak? Mm. And Scott Bryson was the member of parliament in King's Hands for 21 years. Uh, so he had been in since he was 30. He was elected in 1997. And he said, he, he basically said he was not going to reoffer, and he resigned in February of 2019. Okay. At that time, I'm articling uh, at McGinnis Cooper. So for those that don't know, articling is basically like kind of your, I don't want to call it a probation, probationary period, but it's the time that you're before you're called to the bar and you're officially a lawyer. Okay. Um, so at that point uh, in February, Scott resigns. Um, I had thought, well, maybe in a few years down the road, if Scott didn't reoffer, I could potentially put my name forward. Uh, all of a sudden now, there's an opening, there's an opportunity. And I said to myself, Am I going to regret not putting my name forward uh, for this opportunity? And I came to the conclusion a couple of weeks later that I would. And, you know, the rest is history. You put your name out there. And I had to win a liberal nomination. So to be able to actually be the liberal candidate in the election, hmm. uh, I won that in May of 2019. How do you win that? Do you need votes? So what happens is uh, to be, it's relatively easy to become a member of a political party. You just, uh, some, it's free. Like for the liberal party, you can just go and sign up and register and say, I want to become a member. Yeah. For others, maybe there's a 5 or $10 fee per year. Okay. Uh, but basically, if you were a member of the liberal party, and you lived in King's Hands, mm-hmm. you had the ability to cast a vote. And I had to be in person. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was two other candidates I was running against. It really came down to not only do you have to be, you know, try to be a good persuasive candidate, you have to get your people to show up. Yeah. Uh, and so it came down to me getting people who would sign up to be a liberal who would say on the nomination day, I need you to show up and vote for me. 
Um, and so on the day that it actually happened, there was about 1,700 members for the Liberal Party in King's Hands. Yeah. 600 showed up because you actually had to go to Windsor. 600 people showed up for you? Uh, for, for the overall vote. Wow. And I had about just over 400, so I won on the, about 66%. But it was hard because uh, it was on a Saturday and it was within about a two-hour period. People were busy. They have lives. So Saturday, yeah. Yeah, we had a lot of people sign up, and yeah. uh, and they said, well, geez, my kids are playing hockey or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, so it was a lot of work, a lot of phone calls, a lot of engagement, um, a lot of you know people that are liberal or they you know they like the prime minister, they like Justin Trudeau, a lot of people that you know well, I'm not really that into politics. And I said you don't have to be. I just want you to believe in me, and I need you to get out. If you want me to be your member of parliament, I need you to get registered and, and help support me. So yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm a political expert, but there's definitely an element to it that is interesting. How you know maybe some people don't agree with Justin Trudeau and, and how he runs his country, but they agree with you and that you're a good person and that, you know, they want you to represent a part of the world where they live. Yeah. You know, it's i I'm not going to say it's a fine line, but there's definitely a line that you want to make sure you're getting a point across to the people that are voting for you. You right. know, the, the, there's tons of connections that you want people to say, oh, no, my name's Cody Boyce. Here's what I do. Here's what I represent. And here's my history and the people that can vouch for me. Yeah. When you say, OK, uh, where, where were you? McGinnis Cooper? Yep. So when you're at McGinnis Cooper and you're going, OK, I'm going to make this jump. I'm going to run into the, the political world. What's that first thought in your head of, OK, if I'm going to be in this political world, what's a couple bases I need to cover? Do you, do you think about your history and, and where you've been and the people you've met and getting a hold of them? Do you think of signs? How do I need to get signs up? Like, what's what's your first thought process? How does that work? Well, in terms of the electability aspect, you have to be someone that's been involved in your community. And so by virtue of my work with Tidefest, with the Sport Heritage Society, by coaching minor hockey. So you did that before running? Yeah. All that's, okay, well, that's yeah, yeah. great. Well, and, and, it, and it wasn't by virtue of trying to do that for politics, it was, I'm passionate about this. Oh, I actually want to get involved in and get to spend every day when I, like when every day I wake up right now, I'm able to focus on things of trying to drive positive initiatives in whether it's King's Hands, whether it's Nova Scotia, the country. I mean, it, it matters on those levels. So for me, I was doing that on top of my job anyways. Uh, I wanted Sorry. to be able to do this and put more of my focus and my energy towards serving in that capacity. Hmm. Um, so it was just a nice, important base of support and connection in the community that I had. People knew that I was already uh, dedicated to trying to make a difference. Um, and I think it just supported that. In terms of signs, and you know, you, you have volunteers that come together. Uh, there's been people that have been involved in Scott Bryson's campaigns before. I was fortunate to have them come and support That's me great. as well. And really, um, from February 2019 to May, it was engagement, getting out, talking to people like, look, I'm trying to be the next member of parliament. I want to be the liberal candidate. Once I got the candidacy, um, after July 1st, mm. I, I took a step away from McGinnis Cooper, which is a lovely law firm. And it was not an easy choice because uh, you can do all this and not be successful. And, you know, you've kind of lost six months of your career, so to speak. Um, my fiance, who, uh, Kimberly, who's at Stuart McKelvey, she kind of had to shoulder the load fiscally um, because I wasn't working. I was out engaging and I knew that it was going to take a lot of door to door. Like we hit 17,000 doorsteps. Man. But that's what it takes. Yeah. It's that obsession. It's just, it's just that career that you want, you know, it, and 
Yeah, you want to serve. And and so for me, a member of parliament's an opportunity to be an advocate um, for the region, for the people that I am I'm fortunate enough to represent. Um, but I'm also interested in public policy, right? And, and it's not just about, you know, let's get uh, an improved wastewater system here in Shibby or let's do, um, you know, a new rink, like that kind of stuff. It's, it's things like when you just think about the pandemic. Uh, the wage subsidy, how important that was to be able to keep jobs and keep employers to have the, the means to keep people on staff, mm. the emergency response benefit for people that were losing their jobs. Like these are the kind of things like politics matters to people. And um, I mean, we haven't talked about it, but I lost my father when I was 14. Uh, he was a truck driver. Mm. We were kind of a paycheck to paycheck kind of family. Mom's an administrative assistant at the local school. And I think for me, losing my father at that age is a constant reminder that life is short. You don't know how long you've got on this earth, and you want to make a difference, mm. however that difference is to you. For me, it's through the collective and community and trying to serve. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's uh, – I'm sorry for your loss, first of all. Oh, it's okay. Um, but, no, it's great that the lessons that you learn along the way that allow people to, to make that jump. I made that same jump. It's a scary jump. That first – well, it's still scary to me. Every day waking up, making sure that, you know, I'm doing the right things and making sure that this business is afloat. But, you know, it comes with a different lesson with you, your father passing. It goes, okay, life is short. I'm going to make this jump and I'm going to work my ass off on it. Um, You know, one thing I wanted to talk to you about when I look at um, a political stance that someone makes is, the issues that people come to you with that maybe you're not educated in. You know, I, sometimes I'll get emails from people and, you know, I have 10 emails a day that I have to reply to. And sometimes I don't really even know what I'm replying. So what am I, what am I even saying? Right. And I couldn't believe, I couldn't imagine someone coming to you going, you know, Cody, there's this thing that's in my backyard and it's not working. My, or my, uh, what would you like? Uh, what's that thing in our backyard? Uh, uh, that plumbing? Like the plumbing electrical, septic. like a septic tank. Like, hey, Cody, my septic tank's broken. It's leading out onto the uh, the street in East Hans, and you got to deal with that. And you have no idea how to work a septic tank. You have no idea how to even get that rolling. I don't know. In my head, it would just be spinning in the political world because a septic tank leaking could come in out of the foundation of a house and ruin a house. I don't know if that's your responsibility, but um, you know what I'm saying. There's just tons of things when it comes to the political world that maybe you don't have the answer to, but yet you have to stay calm, cool, and collected. I don't know. How, how do you deal with that aspect? of it? Because you, you can't sit here and tell me there's been situations that have come up to you and you're just, oh, I know how to fix that. I know how I would do that. You know, well, I haven't I haven't had to deal with any septic systems yet. Uh, but I got a septic tank <laughs> issue. That's why I'm bringing that <laughs> up. Like, how can it. you fix mine after this podcast? <laughs> um, first of all, I would say I always say this: um, politicians generally are pancake thin, a mile wide. Um, so what I mean by that is, generally, when you get into this business, you know a lot of a little bit about a lot of different things. Yeah. Uh, no one's a specialist in in every given field, and and you are going to get questions that you don't know the answers to. Uh, my approach has always been not to bullshit people. If you don't know the answer, you just tell people, look, Mm. I don't know the answer, but I'll go try to find it out for you. Mm. The moment you try to start, uh, pretending to be someone, pretend well, or, or, or saying, oh yes, I'll, I'll get that, you know, or, or raising the expectations beyond what you know you can deliver. It's Mm -hmm. not that you don't want to be idealistic and try to drive and make change. Mm. Um, but people appreciate the frank honesty about what you can and can't do, Mm. um, the other thing is I'm the federal, you know, for your listeners, I'm the federal member of parliament. So we deal with uh, issues uh, that the federal government deals with, immigration, you know, veterans affairs, 
economy writ large. That's a lot of things. You know, there is. And then the provincial is kind of more health. And so sometimes people will call you and say, you know, I've got an issue. My garbage isn't being taken out. And I'd say, well, look, you know, I understand. And uh, here, I'll give you the number to your municipal councillor. Or here's the number to your, um, you know, your municipal service unit that you can call them and, and, and try to get this resolved. So sometimes it's just actually people don't know the different levels of government. Okay. They're just looking I for- I don't, yeah. No, well, yeah, I mean, it's, a- it's fair. And, and, and so people are just looking for help. Mm-hmm. And so your job is to help facilitate, try to help support people in whatever the way you can. Sometimes that's directly things that you can control. Yeah. Other times it's not. No, it's a good answer. Honestly, it's like in every forms of business. I'm not saying politics is a business, but it kind of is. You got to treat people the right way. You have to make sure things move along. But same in my business, you know, there's things that happen and I don't know the answer to it's give me 10 minutes, give me a day, I'll figure it out and I'll get back to you with an answer. And that goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, politics, there is the business of politics. Uh, you, At the end of the day, as an elected representative, uh, you start to build your brand on how yeah. you deal with those situations when yeah. people call you, yeah. on whether or not you can get back to people. Like if they reach out to your office, are you calling people back personally? Are you having those uh, individual conversations? Yeah. Um, are you actually able to deliver on things that you, you talk about? So uh, all of that becomes part of the branding. It's funny, like if you follow my social media, you'll see maybe like, like 1% of what goes on in the day, right? I mean, there's stuff um, after this I'll probably be working on. I'm the chair of Rural Caucus, and we can get into what that means and kind of the different parliamentary aspects. But basically, uh, the Liberal members that are elected to Parliament that are from rural ridings will meet on a regular basis as rural MPs to talk about issues that matter to rural communities. Um, so I'm the chair of that group. You know, I help organize the meetings, bring people together. After this, I'll go and be working on some things that we want to see in the spring budget. So there's going to be a budget from the government. Uh, there'll be a focus on kind of where we go as a country from here, post-pandemic, after the vaccine rollout ro- yeah. is done. Um, it's pretty hard to take a picture and say, oh, today I was working on XYZ about trying to make amendments to the gas tax fund to provide more support for volunteer fire departments. And you know what I mean? So like people kind of see you out glad handing and, you know, supporting businesses. And I think people generally like that, but there's a lot that people don't see either. That that is extremely important. If you're going to be working on the budget, dude said there's a bridge by his house that'll make his commute to the rink, like, 20 minutes shorter so if you can get that in the budget that'd be great i know exactly which bridge <laughs> you know the bridge that's provincial jurisdiction but no yeah it's an important one um you are a great public speaker when i saw you speaking up uh, in ottawa you know i'd be terrified speaking in front of all those suits like dude you killed it where did your confidence from uh, public speaking come from well, again, and this is uh, probably where I should go talking about how hockey and sport leads to a background in professional life, right? Okay. Um, we Sport is usually for many young people that are coming through. It's, it's a key piece of who we are. It's not the only thing, uh, but the lessons and the skill sets that you learn are very transferable. And, and you could have anyone on this podcast talking about that. Uh, I would start by saying in parliamentary, the world the world of politics, it, it is a team sport. I mean, you have liberals, you have conservatives, you have NDP, Greens. You're kind of loosely facilitated into teams, right? You know, and, and, and some people would argue that uh, the adversarial nature of politics is sometimes not always positive. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen where it's actually, uh, I don't want to say not positive, but in terms of it's not as nasty as, as sometimes it's always meant out to be. Uh-huh. You watch a question period, you might go, my God, everyone's just nasty against each other. There is a lot of collegiality. Sometimes you don't always see it. What does collegiology mean? 
means like uh, uh, cooperation. And a okay. lot of you know, hey, yo, Bell, you're conservative, but that's okay. How okay. are you know? How, how's yeah. the kids? Like like they're it, it's it's more friendly than you would sometimes the public would ever okay. appreciate the small talk aspect. Of yeah, it. well, absolutely. I mean, there there is cooperation across party lines. You know, yeah. uh, even though you're on a different party and and you're in the opposition, and but I'm there's still government. that respect factor. I think so. It's mostly, uh, yeah. uh, sometimes the public doesn't always see that though. Yeah. Um, so what I would say is, first of all, there's a hundred. There's three hundred. 138 parliamentarians in Ottawa. They all fit in that room? 330? Yeah, outside of a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. we're always <laughs> yeah, in that yeah, room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 157 of them are liberal. So you need, first of all, you need 170 to be able to pass legislation. So it's called a minority versus a majority government. I, okay, yeah. We're in a minority position because we don't have 170 plus members to just basically be able to drive things forward. Okay. You always need to find a dance partner. Either the NDP are going to support you on something, the Conservatives, oh, really? the Bloc Quebecois, whatever the case may be. Um, and so... That in itself is working, you know, finding compromise. Now, I'm not the leader or the government host leader or, or a member of cabinet, but, yeah. you know, that in itself is trying to find, you know, cooperation with other parties to be able to move things forward. How it relates to my life, uh, I would say most is in hockey, as I mentioned, outside of watching Anthony Peters be dominant uh, with St. Mary's, <laughs> I was generally a leader. I was in a position of trying to um, bring people together or perform well or, or be, you know, a pr- prominent member of a team. In softball, uh, there was times that I had success as a leader, but I was one of those players that was uh, fighting to be in the lineup. I was somewhere between you know the ninth and tenth guy. What position, sorry? Uh, I played a lot of different positions. I, I, I pitched, I, I caught, I played infield would be probably those kind of predominant roles. Yeah. But back when I... I'm not in as good shape as I used to be. Nah, but none I, of us are. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, I could probably play a lot of different positions. Wasn't a great hitter. Kind of just a mediocre hitter. So I was in and out of the lineup. And and when we won our national championship in 2011, um, I played maybe two or three games during the you know 10 games that we would have played. You get used to the role of, okay, I'm a leader. Here's how I have to act. You know, for, in yeah, terms know what of you I'm mean. playing a bigger role. I'm more of a, a role player. I still have a role to play on the team, and how can I do that? And so when I look at how where I'm at right now, uh, you know, I'm not the prime minister, I'm not a member of cabinet, but I still have a role to play as part of the team. And so I think that that in in one way is a way that sports translates. Uh, hard work. I mean, dealing with failure. I mean, Christ, on any given night, especially when we were with the Lions when we were 17, we learned how to deal with failure a lot. Yep. Um, At least no one was there to watch us. <laughs> no, there, no one saw us publicly. There, there you go. Um, but, you know, you, you learn how to set goals, uh, how to work hard towards things, how to deal with ups and downs. All of that is transferable into whatever you do. Relationships. I mean, the amount of people I've met through sport uh, that you, you know, those relationships later in life, whether it's being able to come on your podcast because we know each other and, uh, you know, played hockey together, um, business, like it's all transferable. And, and you wouldn't just have to have me here. It could be any any business owner uh, that, that has a sport background would say the same thing. I find the the, the work aspect gives confidence. You know, if, if you're pretending to put the work in, whenever you do have to talk about your business, the confidence won't be there but you know I, I put a lot of hard work into this company i know you put a lot of hard work into what you do yeah. but the confidence comes from that hard work because you're you're not shy of any question that comes your way because you know your business inside and out right. i found that with me at the beginning of this 
you know, this company, they'd be like, Justin, what is high button sports? And I didn't really have an answer. I'd have a, uh, I'd stutter. I'd be like, I don't know. It's, it's podcast. We do, we do this. But now if anyone asks what's high button sports, I, my chest is up head high. I know exactly how to answer. I look you right in the eye yep. and it, it, it's interesting how that comes with time and that comes with work and that comes with, uh, yeah, it just comes with that question being asked a lot. And and I think uh, when you look at sport, most of us played it because we were passionate, but we loved it. Oh, and and I you know I still play. I'm I'm a defenseman now in the in the beer leagues in East. Oh, are you? Yeah, those I've, are great I, leagues. I've transitioned, um, but we do it because we're passionate. about it. you do this um, not only because uh, it might be a source of income for you now, and you've grown it, and you've got employees. I'm looking around here. It's it's excellent what you've done, but you're passionate about this. This gets you out of bed in the morning because you think uh, you know whether it's Nathan McKinnon or Matt. Anthony or Cody Blois or whoever you might have on the show, you want to be able to tell interesting stories. Mm-hmm. I get out of bed every morning loving to be the member of parliament because I want to be able to help serve. And I think it's, uh, you know, it goes back to my father. You know, you only have one life to live. I want it to be meaningful and I want to be able to contribute in a positive manner. Um, you have a podcast. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. So uh, maybe some inspiration from you and others like Randy Frame outside the shoot. I mean, it's it's kind of a trend, isn't it? Absolutely. Where people absolutely. are able to, to bring it on. Um, I wanted to, during the pandemic, of course, normally there's community, like outside of the pandemic, there'd be community events. I'm going to community breakfasts and suppers and you're getting out and seeing people because visibility is important in this business. Absolutely. You do a great job of that on social media, by yeah. the way. You do a really good job. I Continue, appreciate sorry. that. Yeah. Uh, and so... The pandemic really created a challenge in the sense you couldn't reach people as as yep. easily. Yep. Uh, at the same time, being able to have a podcast and be able to bring in interesting individuals not only builds relationships, it's a way to kind of illustrate that you're thinking about certain issues or you're talking with people. So it's a, it's a credibility, it's a relationship, it's an engagement issue with the people uh, in my writing. So I started Points of Order Podcast. Points of Order, I like Points that name. Points of Order, yeah. And uh, it's hard to find a podcast name. Oh my God, we struggled. Oh, how, how do you, if I can, how did you come up with High Button? Like where did that, maybe you've said it other times. Yeah, it's from uh, the first and last scene of Seinfeld. So the first scene George and Jerry are sitting in a coffee shop and Jerry goes to George George that button is misplaced it looks like you look like you live with your mother and I was like I used to live with my mom and my button I guess is high and it's just like high button that button's too high it's misplaced and I remember like three weeks before I was thinking like what's the name of this podcast what what what?" and I came up with a million answers and I I just couldn't pick one yeah and I remember just sitting there so frustrated watching Seinfeld and that high button and I just kept thinking about it for the next day high button high button that's a high button what is that? I, yeah. It just kind of had a little tone to it, and then I was like, "What the hell? I'm just I'm, I'm done thinking about it. I just got to get to work." High button podcast. There it is. So, and it Excellent. wasn't. It was unique. No one really had anything like that. It's just yeah. Like when you think of Apple, I'm not saying we're Apple computers, but what does that mean? Apple computer. Like what? Right. What, what is that? That's, yeah. It's it's all about how you brand it. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. it's just like yeah, whatever. High button podcast. High yeah. button sports. No, I didn't know that story, so that's awesome. Yeah. Um but yeah, back to the back to points of order. We've done four episodes. We've had Joyce Carter, for example, from the airport authority talk about the impact of COVID on airlines. Yep. We've had Dr. Ricketts, uh, Peter Ricketts from Acadia University, he's the president, to talk about Acadia's challenges, and, and universities have gone through challenges. That guy so. likes our social media stuff. He, oh, he's, uh, he? he's, is he on Twitter? He's active on Twitter? Uh, I've probably, yeah, and Instagram and the, yeah. whole, the whole bit. Because so. we worked with the Acadia hockey team, and he liked some of our stuff. Okay, uh, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, so Peter's a great guy. Uh, and, of course, Acadia is such an important institution in the Annapolis Valley where I represent. <sighs> beautiful, beautiful um, part of the world up it, there. It is, yeah. I'm very fortunate to represent that area. And, and, and we had others... Um, for example, we had uh, Kirk um, Havercroft, who is from the UK originally. Mm. He's the CEO of a company called Sustainable Blue, which is 
Um, basically, it's based in Center Burlington, which is a very small community on the Hanch Shore. Okay. And Sustainable Blue is one of the world's leading uh, land-based aquaculture uh, companies. So they raise salmon, Atlantic salmon. Yeah. Uh, but they do so in a way that is very sustainable. I won't get into all the details, but maybe you can check out the show. Yeah, and, well, yeah. Uh, and so we've had four. We're going to have more in the new year. Actually, uh, we should have you on at some point to talk about the high button. And, Absolutely. And uh, maybe we can get you in the next couple months. Absolutely. I'll be there. Do you do it in person? Do you do it over Zoom? How do you do it? It's been in person for everything so far, but yeah. there's going to be some, of course, that'll have to be over Zoom yeah. and uh, just cut the audio, so to speak. Yeah, good. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah, the, the world of podcasts is definitely, I think it's just beginning. You know, you you look at some, you know, I, I have to bring up Sheldon McLeod, but he was a, yeah. a, a professional uh, legend radio host. And, you know, unfortunately, his career uh, came to a quick pivot. Yeah. Um, and you look at this world of a podcast and how there, there's really no, you know, you don't have a boss. You can say whatever you want. You can make this conversation an hour, two hours long. It's right. There's no rules to it. And that's what I really enjoy about it because yeah. I remember the we had a great article that came out in the Chronicle Herald the other day and Willie Paloff wrote it. And he had yeah. a great mention about how, um, you know, the, sometimes a path to where you want to go can be a little bit long. If I want to be a radio DJ, that could take 10 years. If I want to be an actor, that could take 20 years. Right. But if you put your fate into your own hands and you kind of work your ass off at it, things come to you a little bit quicker. And I love that he put that in there because that was one yeah. thing I was trying to get across. Get across, exactly. And it's the same with you. I feel like if you just, your line of work, as long as you're doing what you're doing because you're killing it right now, in my opinion, right. um, we get you, out you to can do it. We maybe get you and uh, Sarah move out to East Hans then. So <laughs> Dude's just been trying to get me out there. It's, it's a little bit of a commute. But you did say about how uh, the you played in the the beer league out there. Yep. I played in it last year, and it was one of my, we played at like nine ten o'clock. It was one of my favorite things. I'd go from go from here. I'd stop at like uh, Starbucks, and then I'd chuck on my favorite podcast, and I'd sit in the right lane, go about ninety five a hundred cars passing me. I'd take my time, drive out to East Hands and play some hockey, and it was on a Sunday probably one of my favorite moments of the week because going out to play that hockey game nothing in the world matter i'm drinking my coffee i'm driving slow i'm listening to my podcast and i know that i get to go play a game of hockey for an hour with my buds just one of the best moments of my week i love doing it and what's your favorite podcast then uh, it i thought it would be the high button but outside of the high button <laughs> i can't listen to it I, I don't listen to this one uh my, my favorite podcast it, it was it was called the church of what's happening now but uh, I think it stopped because he, uh, the guy that did it, his name was Joey Diaz. He lived in L.A. He was a good friend of, you know, say something. Oh well, he has the Uncle Joey's joint now. Yeah, he has another one. Thing or... But essentially, he was a guy that grew up in New York, and he grew up with. He didn't really have a lot of money, so he had to scrounge for everything that he got. And right. I just loved the stories that that came from him of of being resourceful. I guess he was a little bit of a thief, but right. he's just a, a good storyteller, I guess. Yeah. And it, it's funny if you look at any company right now, even if you look at Apple, you look at Telus, you look at. Uh, Google. If you look at some of these commercials that are popping up, they're all like story. Nike's a perfect example. They're all telling stories. Yeah. You know that they're marketing stories. Uh, you know, Kobe, rest in peace. They're marketing stories of how LeBron came from nothing to where he is. Yeah. And you look at any company, it's storytelling, and then you market that storytelling to get to where you want to go. Right. Do you find it's a little bit the same in politics? When you know, when when I see a picture of you going to a farm, and you know, you're wearing your boots and you're talking to a farmer, and, and there's chickens in the back. <laughs> well, are you telling the story of Cody Blois and how I'm here to help you? Are you asking for their story? How do you market yourself? You know, it's, it's a bit of both. Yeah. I think uh, people need to know who you are. I, I have yeah. eighty-five thousand people in my riding. Uh, it goes from, for those that don't know, it goes from Shubenacadie out to Maitland, all the way down to Colebrook in it's the a Valley. A lot of people. Yeah, it's about five thousand square kilometers. So it's it's a 
big area, and you need to be able to tell your own story, um, not only in some of the successes that you're trying to do, because, uh, look, the goal is to get reelected. You want to, if you enjoy what you're doing and you think you're making a meaningful difference, hmm. uh, you hope to be able to gain the confidence of people to continue to be able to do that job. But you almost have to show off your accomplishments. You well, have to go look at what I did. It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because you don't, uh, you, you need to be able to illustrate to people some of the work and yeah. the advocacy that you're doing. Uh, so it's, it's telling the work that you're doing, but then in part, it's telling the stories of the people that you represent and either how the government's programming, because I mean, it might be different. If I was in opposition, I might be saying, well, you know, the government's doing good on this, but they're not doing so well on this. I mean, it's a critic role versus a government. Um, But, you know, for example, when the programs rolled out around the wage subsidy or the emergency business account, you don't just want to share a graphic of some picture with, you know, Government of Canada logo and say, you know, we're, you want to go out and say, this is how this program is making a difference for Johnny mm. in Wolfville and helping support businesses and jobs so that people can actually see the connection between the work that the government's doing and how it's playing out kind of on the ground level, so to speak. Okay. So I think it's it's a mixture of how those government programs work yeah. coupled with telling the story of, of the riding and what goes on. Okay, cool. Yeah, so. Um, I was watching a really cool uh, scene in Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee. Oh, there's the guy. And it was uh, Barack Obama, Jerry Seinfeld. And Jerry asked, relate politics to a sport. And Obama said, uh, it's like football, you know, you look for little holes, sometimes you get through, sometimes you get blocked and you don't get what you want. I'm going to ask you the same question. If you can relate politics to a sport, which one would it be and why? Can't say football either. No, (laughs) uh, (laughs) rugby comes to mind. Uh, (laughs) Look, uh, I would say, um, yeah, I mean, uh, rugby would be one. Uh, You're all together. Uh, You're trying to drive things forward. You mean Uh, like liberals are all together? Yeah, Yeah, well, it is because, of course, there's going to be opinions in that host that – that matter to that I agree with. You know, there's there's perspectives that have been put forward by the Conservatives or the NDP that I agree with. Uh, but at the end of the day, when I go back to get reelected, and this goes back to why people vote for certain reasons. Yeah. Some people will vote, hopefully for Cody Blois, because they're like I like Cody Blois. They might like the Prime Minister. They might not. They might not know anything about government, but they know me. Other people don't know who the hell I am. But they like the Liberal Party and the brand and what they stand for and the ideological values and things we've moved forward. Um, so at the end of the day, we are a team. And to be able to be, you know, I, I, I want to first and foremost be the member of parliament in King's Hands. That would happen whether or not uh, we stay in government or not if I'm successful at the election because it's 338 separate elections. Uh, but it's crazy. It, well, yeah, because each member gets elected directly. So yeah. the prime minister becomes the prime minister because they're the leader of the party that has the most seats in the House of Commons. And you're the guy that would get a seat eventually? Like that's your goal? So I could be, for example, I won the election in King's Hands in 2019. Yes. Yeah. The Liberal Party also won 157 seats, and so we had the most seats, so we formed government. I could have won that seat, still been the member of parliament, still sat in the House, but maybe a different party won more seats, and I would still be the member of parliament. I just wouldn't be in the governing party, if that okay. makes sense. I so, understand. So it is it is a team. You're, you know, you're trying to do what's best for your colleagues, uh, and and so it, that's really where it comes into a sport aspect as well. Um, how do you like working with people in, in, in politics? You know, hockey's a great example of, of being able to work with teammates, and yeah. I know there's some teammates you like, some teammates you don't, but at the end of the day, like you just said, you're all working for a common goal to win. Yeah. Is there any aspect of politics that you find a little bit challenging to work with people because you did just mention yeah we you know if there's a guy from ndp i go to dinner with them there's some things i agree with but there must be some things you disagree with how how do you you like that um 
I'm partisan and I'm not. I understand that there's good there's good perspectives across the table. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. You develop relationships with certain colleagues uh, on the basis of maybe your regional interests or your interests writ large. Yeah. So uh, my two parliamentary committees are agriculture and public accounts. Um, and so, for example, our minister, Marie-Claude Bibeau, she's from Quebec, uh, just outside of the Sherbrooke area. I have a good working relationship with her because agriculture is the backbone of our economy in King's Hands. Like when you think about, think about the vineyards in the Annapolis Valley, think about the apple orchards, think about the farms, it is extremely important. So I have a good working relationship with Marie-Claude in part because I, I want to have a good one with her, yeah. but we, we get along well. Uh, there's other MPs in our caucus just by virtue of maybe they're a downtown Toronto MP and I just haven't had as many interactions. Like there's some MPs that I don't know that very well. And then there's others that I'm on a much you know closer basis with. What would a conversation look like with you and a Toronto MP? Like what do you two need to talk about? Well, it, it, it's it's different things, and of course, it's been challenged by the fact that we're not all physically in the same room. Yeah. Uh, normally, we would be meeting every Wednesday, so we have national caucus. I'll lay it out for. Okay. Uh, we'll go back to the caucus stuff and okay. how it relates to sports. Um, okay, when we were with the Lions, uh, sometimes Bobby would pull the defense together, and he would have a conversation about the defense, and you know, with with those groups. It's no different than we could have a meeting when Troy Ryan would walk into the room and all of us are in the room and we're talking about the game plan and what we want to get done. The whole team. The whole team. Yes, okay. That would be National Caucus. We have 157 MPs. The Prime Minister's there. We have an update from the you know some key cabinet ministers. And it's the whole group talking as what do we have to do as a team. Yeah. But then there's sub-caucuses. So there's an Atlantic caucus where the 26 Liberal MPs will get together and talk about issues that matter to Atlantic Canada. Yeah. There's Ontario, there's BC. So we're, we sometimes sub-organize and meet on the basis of either regional interest or, or thematic interest. So I mentioned I'm the chair of Rural Caucus. The issues, um, you know, we have probably about 35 MPs that would identify as rural. So we get together and say, you know, the issue for Adam Vaughn in downtown Toronto uh, could be about trying to build better public transit uh, for the people that he represents because of, you know, that being an important element to getting people to their jobs. Um, public transit is still important in rural, but it looks a lot different. It's not a billion-dollar subway system. It might be, um, you know, an $800,000 community bus that can, you know, go pick up people on a, on a different basis. There's not going to be a subway in Wolfville in, in my lifetime. <laughs> uh, so, so, so just sometimes the issues are different. It doesn't mean that we don't have shared interest. Yeah. Uh, um, so, I mean, those are the conversations. Uh, I got a little small taste of what politics looked like from December of 2019 to... I guess it was March 12th when the basically was when I flew home. I haven't been back to Ottawa since. I've been doing everything virtually. Yeah. Um, but you would in the House of Commons, you have what's called host duty. So you'll be going in. There'll be debate going on. There needs to be a certain quorum, and so you're expected to be there to talk and debate about the issues. At that time, you can just strike up conversations with people. You get to know them on a personal level. You talk to them about issues that they think are important, and 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 you start to develop a sense of uh, people's flair that way as well. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a cool thing how it's nationwide. You know, if you need help from some guy in BC, he's accessible. Well, and, and it's it's just neat to be able to meet um, interesting people across party lines. There's yeah. there's great people uh, um, in every party. There's good ideas uh, across the board, and to be able to connect and, and make those. 
uh, understand the differences. We're a big country. Canada, you know, we have the growing. Maritimes here and growing. Yeah. And, and it's the issues in British Columbia might be a little bit different than the issues in Manitoba. And they might be different than the issues in Newfoundland. Yeah. Um, so it, it gives you a, a countrywide perspective. I've been working very hard on my French as well. Hey, that's good. Yeah, because you be. well, you want to be able to, if you want to be able to take on a more senior role or be able to um, grow within the party ranks or be able to be a better parliamentarian, if you can stand up in the House of Commons during question period and be able to answer questions or during debate, respond back in French, I think it just gives you, you don't want language to be an impediment to being able to do mm. your job as a parliamentarian. So, yeah. And it's a great language and skill set to have, even if I'm not a parliamentarian. Absolutely. Yeah. Justin, don't turn that off. Is anyone there right now? Uh, yeah, just chuck it off really quick. Um, goals for you in the future you know is it is it uh, can i even ask this do you do you want to be prime minister of this country one day is that like <laughs> I, I, why not shoot for the moon well it, it's premature at this point i think uh sometimes people get in to roles uh it would be like me joining a hockey team at 16 as a rookie and okay. saying uh i absolutely want to be you know the top scorer at uh you know at 20 that could be the case, but you first got to wor worry about being a good, consistent player. And so my goal right now is just to be a good member of parliament. Yeah. Once I learn how to be a good member of parliament and I work on the things like French and uh, I, I learn a little bit more about how processes work, you know, maybe, I don't know. Uh, I would love to. I, I Actually, right now, uh, there is a liberal leadership race in Nova Scotia who's going to be our next premier because of course i don't know if you know premier mcneil is stepping down on february 6th um you know uh it's I, i'm working with ian rankin he's one of the candidates there's randy you know to be fair to everyone there's randy delory and uh um labby Casulis as well um whoever becomes that next premier uh i think it's really interesting time to look at how do we move our province forward how what are some policies and initiatives that we can do as a government, as a collective, to be able to create a better future. That's what gets me excited. As much as the politics is about, you know, how are you, Justin? Good to see you. Or, you know, uh, get around and see people. It's also about ideas and initiatives. And so I am a bit of a policy wonk. Uh, and I, I guess I'd say, why don't we wait a few years and I'll come back on the show. We'll see where I'm at. I like that a lot. Yeah. It's good, man. You have to have goals. You have to, like, if, what do they say? If your goals and your dreams aren't big enough to sound crazy, they're not big enough for something like that. You have to be a little bit of a, a nut job to be able to say, you know, I am going to be the prime minister of Canada. You have to believe in something that's a little bit crazy. I guess what I would say is when I was, if I go back to that uh, St. Mary's political science class, yeah. I knew that it was something that was powerful and that I liked. Yeah. Um, I knew at the end of the day, it was something I wanted to do in the future. Here I am eight years later and, and I'm very, well, nine years later, I'm very fortunate to be the, the member of parliament. So um, you do want a goal set. And that was the same in hockey. When I was coming through East Hans minor hockey, it was about playing major midget. When you went and played major midget, it was about playing junior of some course, yeah. you know, and then it was about playing university. So hockey and sport tells you how to uh, pursue your goals, to, to strive for something and then work towards it. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I'm trying to work on is being a little bit more happier within the moment. Like I remember when we had that Nate podcast, it was great. Yeah. But I wasn't satisfied. It's like, okay, now I got to work to get sit. Yeah. You know, that, that's one thing I'm trying to do a little bit more is live in the moment. Like you're in a great position. I'm in a right. great position, but for some reason I can't be like happy and satisfied with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, I'm always trying to work better, but at the same time, I almost need to take a step back and go, Justin, look at where you are. Would you be here five years ago? Five years ago, you're in your mom's basement. And I think like if you're a little bit more you know, grateful and, and thankful for the position that you're in, 
I don't know. It just helps the the process of a of business. It's a double edged sword, though, isn't it? Because I've thought about this a lot. Um, most athletes that, and I think Olympians and people that have had success at high sport uh, or in other achievements, business, politics, you know, law, life, whatever. Um, you want to keep striving for better. You and you got to walk that balance between yes, appreciating, smelling the roses while they're there, um, but recognizing that uh, you still do want to pursue those dreams. But it's called um, almost like achievers' depression. Depression, like That's a thing. You, yeah, oh, I yeah. think it is. I think if you look it up, there's people that are so successful and they're never satisfied. They never, you know, they're always looking to what's next yeah. as opposed to being like, well, look around. I've. Yeah. So I think it's, I think honestly a healthy balance is trying to find uh, a pathway between those two things. Yes, you're still looking forward. You're still looking for what's next. Um, but you're not so driven that your only, your only identity in life is tied to that next goal. Because yeah. I think that's problematic. Um, I've got a couple of, should we do, do, you want to, do you want to talk hockey world juniors right now or do you want sure. to talk the future of Canada? We'll go world juniors well, first. Look, I'm, I'm all yours. I, how, I love this. How much are we at right now? Mark? Uh, 54 minutes. So world juniors, have you watched it? Sure. I loved when you, uh, man, you did something in, in parliament where you talked about someone, I think from Halifax making the NHL or something. You, you did like a hockey talk. Sure. What yeah. was that? Well, I forget what uh, it was. Well, I'm trying to remember. It's funny. Every year goes by. Well, last year's world juniors in the Czech Republic. Did we not have a player from, uh, from Atlanta, Canada? Or maybe I, I think we did. Who? German. Isaac, wasn't sure. it? So is that what it was? Is yes, that what you course. did? Yeah. yeah. So I, I put a show. You, you, what you can do in the house is called a member statement. Uh, so the 15 minutes before question period starts, every yeah. House of Commons, you get one minute and you can stand up and say really whatever the hell you That's want. That's awesome. Uh, so for me, it was congratulations. You know, we had got backed in January. It was yeah. congratulations to the World Junior Team for their win, particularly, you know, special shout out to Nova Scotian Jared McIsaac. Yeah. Um, I can't believe I forgot that. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, you have the ability to be able to showcase and, and 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 illustrate things that are important. I've been watching this year. Uh, I, I'm really impressed with Levi or uh, yeah, yeah, the goalie. Levi yeah. or goalie. Uh, Carlton Place Junior A playing uh, NCAA. Great kid. Um, and how special is it? And I really hope that this January coming, or well, we're in January. Uh, when the host comes back January 25th, yeah. it might be virtually, unfortunately, but I'm hoping I'm doing an, an SO for this year's World Junior Championship. Four players from Atlanta, Canada. I don't, I don't know if you have the statistics on that, but that has not happened in a long time that there's been four different Atlanta Canadians on the team. It's crazy. I don't have the stats, but we definitely have some. We got yeah. a talk show coming up on Thursday, but we'll bring it up for sure. But sure. unbelievable. I always, I, I, people that listen to this podcast are probably sick of me saying this, but it's part of our business success of so right. many, not even hockey, just young athletes from this part of the world that are being recognized on a national scale, and it's great for this business because yeah. they get to come here and talk about. It we yeah. get to talk about them. Yeah. We get to you know post social media. Yeah, it's just a, it's a great part of the world right now. I guess the country to be from here and playing a sport rather than being from BC or Ontario. Nova Scotia is just making a name for itself. Well, I saw it's, Nate Darling. I mean, with Charlotte yeah. and uh, um, look uh, Ryan Graves. I mean, the list goes on. We we now have a, a significant amount of NHLers that are playing, and yeah. so it is. It does bode well for your business. Uh, Canada Russia tonight. I think uh, Canada is going to take it four two. Okay. Uh, and I think they'll play the U.S. in the final. And, and you know, you'd have to ask me in a couple of days' time what the <laughs> yeah, final Yeah, don't jinx anything. You, no, no, no. They, I, I think the U.S. has a strong team as well. And uh, it's uh, it's fun to watch. I'm glad that they were able to make it happen in the bubble. Yeah. Uh, the holidays, I'm sure it's the same for you. Uh, you're sitting around Boxing Day. You know, you're, you're in your, your underwear, your yeah. jammies, and you're going, geez, I'm watching the game. Yeah. And uh, it's been nice tradition. It's been uh, – I've been very thankful for hockey, this, this break for sure. To be yeah. able just to put your feet up, have a rum and coke, whatever 
whatever your vice is and just sit there and watch because yeah. you know god forbid there couldn't have been any world juniors this year when all those covid numbers were coming out team germany i think had a couple cases so yeah no just very thankful yeah tonight's score oh man see here's the thing i don't like about canada is that they didn't go through any adversity they you know they they, they did very well yeah. in those early games they didn't have a game where i was like ah, let's go to overtime so that's why i'm worried about tonight they didn't have that test yeah but if they do have that test tonight in that first second period hopefully by the third period they could uh they could squeeze something out like i guess i don't know russia that well but anyways if i had to make a guess i'm gonna go five five four canada five four canada okay yeah, and it's gonna be a tight it's gonna be a back and forth game the whole way right is okay. levi nets tonight do we know for sure of course he is he is he's played every game so yeah. far he's our guy yeah, yeah. And anyway. He's played well, and he's mature. And I think uh, as a goaltender, you know, I look at him and I go, he's square to the puck. His rebound control is incredible. Yeah. Uh, I think we're in good hands. You're right about Canada not having uh, faced a whole lot of adversity. I think it's because they're that good. I mean, when you look at Russia, Germany. I mean, Germany pushed Russia. Mm. Um, Slovakia. I mean, I mean, I think we have a really good team, and that's why it's been a little bit more lopsided. There's no doubt that it was a weaker division. Um, but I think we're in good shape tonight. I like the coach because remember it was before the first game they were practicing and they didn't have a good practice and he got the boys together and started yelling at them. I love that. I was like, all right, this coach is on top of them. He's not going to let them slip because they when they won that game in, uh, against Germany, what was it, sixteen two? Yeah, it's just like oh boys, like that's great, but like you know their ego is just going to be up here and they think they're going to run through everything. So yeah, there's been a few lopsided games, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, the future of Canada. Future of Canada. Um, look, I think we have an opportunity on the other side of the pandemic to ask ourselves, the pandemic has illustrated ways that we can make society better. Um, and for a small example, like I look at agriculture um, during the height of the pandemic, uh, for example, our beef beef facilities. McDonald's, know. double quarter pounder. <laughs> well, it's, it was, it's become centralized uh, in the sense that when there was challenges in, in Brooks and High River in Alberta, um, you know, it, it created backlog and, and challenges. Uh, in Nova Scotia, I think, for example, our pork industry, we it, only 3% of the pork and the bacon that you eat it actually comes from Nova Scotia. No way. Yeah. Where does so, it come from? Uh, Quebec, Ontario, elsewhere. Um, And and so I I think there's going to be a push. I'm going through the agriculture lens. I'll go broader in a minute. But I think through agriculture, there's going to be a desire to want to bring more capacity, I'll say, back to local communities. Um, You won't be able to uh, ignore the economies of scale. Price is still going to be an important factor. When you go to the grocery store, you might say, look, I want to pick up a local beer or local food. But you're still going to be thinking about price. So we can't devoid ourselves of uh, those basic economic principles of economies of scale. But I do think that there's going to be a push for more local and more local capacity in the regions. Uh, environment and climate change, you know, you talk to a majority of, uh, I'd say, voters across the board, but particularly under 35, this is a big issue. And they want uh, politicians, they want elected officials that are taking this issue seriously. Uh, we've come out with our climate plan uh, last month, or I guess last year. Is that public knowledge? Like you, anyone can just view that Oh, plan? yeah, it's out there. You know, the, the price on pollution uh, is going to be advanced uh, in terms of higher uh, prices. There's going to be investments in trying to get us uh, a more renewable energy. Uh, I think what's going to, what you'll see, this is my prediction, uh, Nova Scotia is required under law to be off coal-fired generation electricity by 2040. Say that again. So the electricity, you know, the yeah. lights that we're here right now, yeah. um, by 2040, that can't be generated by coal. Interesting. Okay. Um, it's part of the strategy, you know, higher emissions. Uh, and I think probably what you'll see is Nova Scotia Power, and I, I know all four Atlantic premiers along with the government of Quebec, are working on trying to build 
um, capacity across the electrical electrical grid across the country. Uh, no, Eastern Canada first, Eastern so Canada, Quebec okay. and Atlantic Canada, because we have a lot of hydropower. Quebec is full of it. In northern Quebec, we have Muskrat Falls, which has had its fair share of challenges, but it's going to allow the capacity that we can probably get off fossil fuel electricity by 2030 if we make investments to upgrade the electrical grid. Mm -hmm. If that were to happen, then all of a sudden it really opens the door to vehicles that are electric because uh, you can now charge them at a without you know fossil fuels. So because right now, although there might be electric vehicles in Nova Scotia, there is still uh, a fair sizable portion of that is being generated by fossil fuel electricity. If we want to get to our goal of 2050 being net neutral, this is going to be a key investment in the future. So mm. I predict within 10 or 15 years, the cars largely in Nova Scotia will be almost all electric. Did you have something to do with the big stop electric Phillips? Did you no, have those were do? already there. They were already there, got, okay. but we had we've had investments in Wolfville and others and things like that. Yeah. Um, I think that there's, uh, we look back to Black Lives Matter uh, and uh, some of the movement around social justice. Uh, those are going to be things that we have to look at in the future. Um, there still are um, inequalities in society. We're not ever, uh, call me whatever you want under the sun, I don't think we're ever going to get to a perfect equality uh, in terms of income equality. Uh, there's always going to be a bit of a disparity. I, you know, I'm not suggesting a communist approach, but there needs to be, that's part of the reason why I ran for the Liberals in 2015. You know, my family was paycheck to paycheck. There was times that my mother, I remember being at the grocery store, I was like nine years old, and she went to pay for her groceries and there wasn't enough money on the debit card. Um, in 2015, Trudeau's talking a lot about supporting middle income families, trying to make sure that, uh, just close the income inequality gap. Uh, that's something that I'm really proud of, and 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 I think that that's going to be something that needs to continue in the days ahead. Hmm. Yeah, man. It's There's a, we'll yeah. have to come back and do another one about you know about politics or sport and politics. Well, I think I you, you answered a lot of questions that I had. Like politics is a gray area for me, and I think sure. it is for a lot of people because yeah. it's. I'm not saying I'm going to say it's messy business, but there's a lot of there's a lot of things up in the air when it comes to questions, and like you said, sometimes you don't have the answer for everything. So to be able to come on here and talk about government and, and simplify it for dummies like me, I, I appreciate it because it does. Like you know, when it comes to time to voting I, just, I grab the newspaper and i read uh you know what each party's offering and then i go and vote and sure. I, sometimes i don't think that that's that's good enough well, you, you need a little bit more information to you know to see who you're voting for well and at the end of the day um i'm 29 years old um i'm one of the youngest members in the house and so whether or not it's coming on a podcast like this or the instagram like if, you know if you're listening jump on follow the social media we do our best uh, i'm not super partisan it's not all attacky it's just uh you know here's something that's interesting in the in the community that I represent. Here's a government program that you might want to take advantage of, things like that. Um, but but you try to be accessible. You try to be able to explain. Trust is a big thing. And I know I, I don't want to go too long here, but I, it, trust is a big thing in, in, in institutions. There's declining trust in uh, uh, things like uh, government, universities, uh, whatever, the church, like the, well the whole piece. Yep. Um, and so I'm not going to turn that around single-handedly, but it has to start by individual MPs you might say, oh, I don't really know about the government or I'm worried about X, Y, Z, but I know Cody, you know, and, and if someone else is saying, I know that about, you know, Justin, my MP somewhere else and Mark or whatever the case may be, that's how you start to build up that trust that people go, I know that he might not be able to solve all my issues, but if I go to him, he'll listen and he will be an advocate for me because, and I don't want to get too political, but I am the politician here. <laughs> you know, you think about Trump, um, I don't know what your listeners think of Trump. Uh, I think a lot of people were concerned about the, the you know, his four years. Uh, I'm happy to see a Biden government coming in. But when you see how he won in 2016, 
he won off speaking to the disenfranchised. He won by speaking to people that said, no one listens to me. You know, like, it doesn't matter what I say or what I do. There's not going to be a change in the, in the halls of power. And I think Trudeau won in 2015 by speaking to people that were also, um, you know, frustrated with the Harper government at the time and, and wanted to give them a, a different type of hope. Now, I much prefer the, the hope and let's, you know, be positive versus the, you know, the scapegoating and the, and the negativity. But there's, there, there's a method to Trump's madness because he was speaking to people that, that, that are lacking hope and are lacking an opportunity. And we have to do that in a more positive manner, in my perspective, to be able to try to make sure that people do believe that they can make positive change um, through government and through politics. All right. Cody, we'll end it on that, man. Thank okay. you for coming. I appreciate that. Love being here. You're you're definitely gonna have to come back. We'll um, wait a year. Wait a year. Sure. We'll figure it out. Some things are gonna change. We'll come back. Sure. We'll do it again. Okay. Thanks, right. everyone. Everyone, thank you very much for listening. Uh World Juniors tonight. So sit back, relax, enjoy, put your feet up. Hopefully they win and we'll go to the gold medal game. We'll see. I don't want to jinx anything. And uh kick off 2021 the right way. Excellent. All right, we're out. Thanks guys. Peace.